1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. In this edition, we will talk school transportation and the plans of hoping to get most of the kids to school. We have talked about it before, but there is a new push to get transit agencies to have free fares. We'll tell you who's doing the pushing and what the push is all about. And finally, the iconic Cape Cod bridges have taken a step closer to replacement. We got the word on what that step is. I'm Rod Morrison, and we all are accidental passengers.
0: That the students will not be able to social distance on the bus. Um, Those children will actually be seated to to a seat. My amendment would require us to examine how our nation's transportation policies, policies have impacted and targeted our most vulnerable.
1: But those of us who have to commute to work, we know what we are going to face. And in the era of the virus, we are aware of the dangers. What is still unclear for most of us is how our children are going to commute to school. We know it will be by bus, we just don't know how safe it will be. Boston, Massachusetts presented their plan for riding last week. It starts off like any other COVID-19 plan, six feet apart and mandatory mask wearing. Then for the buses, it will be one child, for one bench. A 77-passenger bus will carry 25 kids, and a 47-passenger bus will travel with just 15 kids on board. Plus, there will be a bench in front for the bus monitor, and in good weather, all bus windows will be kept open. The Department of Education plan also calls for individual school districts to develop their own plans with the protocols in place and to look for ways to add passenger capacity such as adding routes to existing bus runs, staggering start and end times for students and urging parents to seek out alternative plans for transportation where possible. In Colorado. The seating capacity is much smaller, with 77-seaters transporting only 10 students, and the 47-seaters will carry only five. For the Padre School District, that poses a major problem. The school committee there says only 1,400 of the 14,000 students will be able to take the bus. Part of that 1400 will be students with disabilities, students in foster care, and those students that fall under the Homeless Care Act. For those students who do not qualify for legally required busing, they can apply for consideration. And school of choice students, well, they're just out of luck altogether. In Florida, now with the second most cases of the coronavirus, things do not look all that bright for the students' daily commute. Here is Teamster Local 512 spokesperson Rebecca Cardona telling the Jacksonville TV station what is in store for kids in Dudal County.
0: Um, some of the information that was delivered from the Transportation Department was the fact that the students will not be able to social distance on the bus. Um, those children will actually be seated to, to a seat. Um, there's also no way to enforce the mass requirement, um, so there's a lot of concerns as it relates to the potential of contraction or even spread of the virus um, with with inability to properly social distance and um, enforce the
1: mass requirement. Knoxville, Tennessee does not have a capacity cap either, but they do require that students can't show any signs of COVID-19 before they board and will get temperatures taken when they arrive at school. It is preferred that siblings sit together on the same bench. Bus drivers will get their temperature taken before their runs and the buses will be sanitized twice a day. Further into school plans, there are plans B and C that can take place if the coronavirus worsens. For parents now, they must be schooled in what their district plans are and make an educated guess on whether or not to send their child to school. Hopefully, all will be revealed by the end of August. The idea of eliminating fares from all public transit systems is not new. The reasoning, besides it would encourage ridership, is a sizable chunk of the profits from the fares go into fare collection. So getting rid of the riding fee is not as bad as it sounds. For example... In Worcester County, Massachusetts, the bus company there rakes in $3 million from the fare box. But in order to maintain those boxes and collect the fares, it costs the agency $850,000, plus the loss of ridership. Congresswoman Ayanna Presley and Senator Ed Markey, both from Massachusetts, have filed a new bill called the Freedom to Move Act. This act would provide five billion dollars in yearly competitive grant money to help states and local transit authorities go fearless. The Act is also for something much more. Here is Representative Presley introducing an amendment to the act before the House of Representatives.
0: Thank you, Mr. Chair. I rise to offer an amendment to H.R. 2, the Moving Forward Act, and thank my colleagues for their work on this legislation. Our nation's transportation and infrastructure policies play a critical role in building healthy and safe communities. But for far too long, they've perpetuated many of our most entrenched inequities. My amendment would require us to examine how our nation's transportation policies have impacted and targeted our most vulnerable. It is critical that we understand how transportation policies are criminalizing black and brown communities. Specifically, we have seen violent enforcement of fair evasion policies and the discriminatory placement of speed cameras and other surveillance technology in our lowest income communities. Mr. Chair, this is a moment of reckoning. There is a multiracial, multigenerational movement that for the last month has been affirming that black lives matter, demanding an end to racist systems and policies that disproportionately criminalize our black and brown neighbors. We have a mandate to center justice in all our policymaking, our transportation policies are no exception. I urge my colleagues to support this amendment. Thank you. I yield.
1: Presley has a good reason for pointing out the iniquities of mass transit. In her district, 7th Congressional, there is great disparity. For whites, the median net worth is over $247,000. For blacks, And according to Livable Streets, a Boston-based transportation advocacy group, black riders spend 64 hours a year more on the bus and or train than whites. This isn't Presley's only transportation action. Last year, she co-founded the Future of Transportation Caucus that earlier this month got the Moving Forward Act passed. This bill provides $1.5 trillion for the infrastructure of roadways to make them safer for the walking, biking, and bus riding public. No doubt, all this came to light because of the coronavirus. The essential personnel still had to take public transit, but at least without the burden of fares for surface rides. For many state agencies, fares will come back or will return shortly, and again burdening those who have no other choice for transportation. Maybe it is time to give transit riding a new normal. Every day I get in the queue. Bus, bus. to get on the bus that takes me to you. 1904, the Army Corps of Engineers dug a waterway shortcut between Cape Cod and the rest of Massachusetts. By 1909, the Seven Mile Canal was complete and received its first boats. 24 years later, the engineers built the Bourne Bridge, and two years after that, the Sagamore Bridge. Since then, the two spans have served as the only access to one of the Northeast's busiest vacation areas. Last time we reported on these bridges, they were in the early planning stages being replaced. Now the plan is one step closer to reality. If you have ever driven over the bridges in any kind of traffic, it is a bit nerve-wracking. The lanes on the spans are two feet narrower than the roadways on either side of them. So you're really close to trucks, semis, RVs, and cars with boats or campers going in both directions. Although neither bridge is on the state's worst places for a car accident list, a car accident, particularly on a summer weekend, can tie up traffic for miles. The step that has happened is that the Army Corps of Engineers, who owns both bridges and maintains them, have placed the spans in the hands of the state. Besides the bridges, the Army Corps will cede all federal land needed for the new bridges and will take care of the demolition of the current ones. This is a good move. The engineers have their speciality in making waterways. Massachusetts has been dealing with bridges for a long time. Besides, they own the roads on either side of the spans. So the building of the bridges may prove to be the easy part because the state has no idea where the funding will come from. Price tag for the construction is over $1.5 billion. Massachusetts is hoping for some funds from the recently passed trillion-plus infrastructure bill. The rest will come, hopefully, from somebody's deep pockets. If built, your first chance to cross the new bridges will be 2029 for the Sagamore and 2034 for the Bourne. As I see through the ashes, Just burnt and broken dreams If I could only find the pieces I'd build a bridge That would bring you back to me I'd build a bridge That would bring you back to me Thanks for listening. You can check out our Accidental Passengers Facebook page. There you will get transit stories not covered on the podcast. And you can even leave a comment and tell us how we're doing or give us a story idea. We upload every Monday. I'm Rob Morrison and we all are Accidental Passengers.